0: You may remember a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, in mid-July. I missed being here with you. I was (coughs) at my home church, Memorial Baptist Church, in Bowie's Creek. We were celebrating our 50th anniversary as a congregation. The church was constituted in 1968 out in a a cow pasture just uh, outside of Bowie's Creek and um, interesting like part of the origin story of Memorial was that it it wanted to be a place where all were welcome uh, regardless of race or social class or national origin and maybe thinking back to um, 1968 and some of the really intense social strife and struggles that were happening at that time, uh, it was sort of a radical experiment there in a cow pasture in Buies Creek uh, to, to really be a place of welcome. And also a place where uh, women would have occasions for leadership as deacons and as ministers. So it was in that, in its way, very progressive at the time. Uh, and you know, as I look at mosaic, I'm already anticipating and praying and hoping uh, for a 50th anniversary here, and and know that uh, you know that that is absolutely in your future. And and as you continue to follow the Lord, um, you know, thinking forward to. Uh, being here and being part of that. Uh, of course, at the 50th anniversary at Memorial, there were some original charter members there who were able to think about, narrate, and, and talk about that 50-year history and think back 50 years uh, to that beginning and founding of that church. And so, um, Lord willing, all of you will be here in 50 years. And uh, But, <coughs> you know, to imagine what that will be like, what the Lord can do during that time. Hey look I'm, I'm thankful every day I wake up get out of bed, Lord willing uh, we'll be here next week uh, and, and Lord willing we'll be here 50 years from now as well um, but trying to vision forward uh, not only reflecting on the past where we've come from but thinking forward to where we will be in 50 years, what will change what will be here, what, who will we be, what will we look like Um, those are all points where we can dream. And I I hope that you do dream big. I hope that we can dream big. We have a big God. A God who wants to do amazing and mighty things in our community and in our midst. So why not dream big? I can't imagine that 50 years ago in a cow pasture in Bowie's Creek, they ever dreamt big. Uh, And yet, here they are today. Uh, They've not only survived but they have thrived as a ministry and as a congregation. Uh, why not now? Why can't the Lord do it again? Why not here? I mean, those are the kind of questions that we should be asking ourselves. The planning committee formed two years before the anniversary event. Uh, the people at Memorial really wanted to do it right and make sure that they did not miss an opportunity. The church undertook a number of renovation projects, both inside and outside of the church. Really spruce up the joint. The parking lot was repaid. All the interior walls were repainted. New carpet was put down. Light fixtures changed. We even had a new organ installed. Uh, old closets were emptied out of long forgotten contents. I was cleaning out a, an equipment closet uh, and came across a, a cable, you know, like a, a computer cable. And it was it was nicely wrapped and bundled and there was a note attached to it. And the note said, defective, does not work. I mean, that was perfectly representative of church life sometimes, uh, that someone had discovered that this cable didn't work, but they didn't feel empowered or didn't feel it was their place to throw it away. So instead, they wrapped it up and attached a note to it uh, to let people know it doesn't work. Uh, so why not just throw it away? But, you know, what was not mine to throw away? Uh, that, you know, that's church. The entire weekend, though, the anniversary weekend, was uh, given to... Uh, music and meals and fellowship both Saturday and Sunday and everything culminated in a a highly orchestrated uh, worship service on Sunday morning. You know it was a packed house we had special speakers, former ministers coming in. Uh, There was a a choral anthem written just for the occasion of the anniversary. Uh, Towards the end of the service uh, Ed Bedingfield our, our pastor you know began the prayers of the people uh, just a, a really lengthy prayer it was written out it was covering issues of justice and peace and you know all these kinds of really important things uh, when a phone rang just ring loud as you can be and so you know Ed tried to, to go on and Then it rang again and he tried to you know muster on and then it rang a third time and of course all heads were bowed all eyes were closed and people were just kind of cringing and waiting you know and, and, and it stopped and so Ed tried to soldier on in the prayer and then suddenly we heard hello I'm in church right now. I can't talk. A guy answered the phone in the middle of a prayer. Can you believe it? I can even imagine that. How do you go on? How do you go on after that? I mean, there's no going on after that. I mean, we all were just, I mean, we're just shoulder shaking. You're trying not to just completely bust out laughing uh, and just feeling like, oh my gosh, he answered the phone in Miller middle of prayer. It's a dear man in his uh, upper 80s, very hard of hearing. I'm sure he thought he was whispering as he answered the, prayer, uh, answered the phone and, and said very loudly to the whole congregation that... Uh, He was on a phone call in the middle of a prayer. Uh, But that's church, you know, that's part of community, that's part of family, that's part of what makes it just a live event, is that we come together with all of our personalities, all of our, you know, gifts and faults and, and everything that goes into that. And sometimes the results are beautiful, and then sometimes they're completely ridiculous. Reading this morning from Exodus chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through, I'll stop at verse 8. um, On the third new moon, after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They had journeyed to Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, And tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, And how I bore you on eagles' wings, And brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice, And keep my covenant, You shall be my treasured possession Out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, But you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people answered uh, as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. You might remember uh, just a few weeks ago, um, I read uh, the story just prior to this one. I guess that's what made me start thinking about this one uh, because we looked at the story just prior to this one which was the story of Jethro. Do you remember Jethro coming and giving advice to Moses about how to organize uh, the people there and how to organize his own his own activities. Moses was serving as judge over uh, all of Israel. All these people streaming in day and night with their problems and Jethro said, hey, why don't you get some people to help you with this? Give a little organize." to it. Well, now uh, we pick up the story where the people have traveled on further in the wilderness to Mount Sinai. This is the location where they will receive the Ten Commandments, famously, uh, in, in, a, you know, in about a chapter's time. Uh, And um, all that goes with that. But for now, I want us to focus on the words that the Lord uses to address this people, address Israel, address us this morning. You are a treasured possession out of all the people, a, a priestly kingdom, a holy nation. In the New Testament, if we go on in the New Testament, these phrases and images are picked up and applied to God's new people, the church, us, in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. just a wonderful passage that picks up right from uh, the passage in Exodus. But I want us to notice something initially that is easily overlooked uh, as we think about that Exodus passage. That the Lord in that passage uh, had addressed the group as a whole. Uh, the Lord was not addressing each individual Israelite, each individual person. He just kind of gave a message to Moses to pass on to the people. And so I guess I might, you know, I might just pause there and wonder with you, uh, why didn't the Lord take time to address each individual Israelite? I mean, it's presumably the Lord can do such a thing, right? To go individually to each tent and address each individual Israelite. Uh, I mean, if we're honest, you wouldn't admit this to anyone, except maybe your, your pastor, I guess, but uh, if you were honest a little bit, you might you might have, if you were there and then, you might just have been a little bit offended. I don't know, we wouldn't admit this, I guess, but you might say, well, why didn't the Lord come to me personally and give that message? If it was so important to give, uh, why not tell it to me directly? Why go through Moses? Why just address this as, as a group? Uh, I, I guess I'm thinking, you know, when we, oftentimes when we sit and talk about going to heaven or or, or being with the Lord, uh, maybe you hear people say, you know, I don't I don't care about uh, the mansions or the food or the music. I just want to see Jesus. I just want to meet Jesus face to face. And that's a beautiful desire. That's a holy desire. It's a good thing. I hope I hope that's true too. Uh, but. Logistically, have have you ever thought about how that's going to work? How that would work out? According to stats, if you believe them, there are a little over 2 billion Christians worldwide. 2 billion people in the world today uh, who are followers of Christ. If every one of those 2 billion people in the world today to stand in a line and shake Jesus' hand and have a 30 second conversation with Jesus how long would it take? well it would take for all 2 billion Christians to get a 30 second conversation it would take over 700,000 days that is over 2,000 years if we went 24-7 to go through this line everyone to get through the line. That's assuming no one's in front of you in the line to begin with. That's just the Christians alive today. Well, you know, we could maybe think more about that, but I mean really the point here is to say we oftentimes think about our own relationship with God in very individualistic terms. Uh, we don't often think about all the other people who have relationship with God, who, who want to meet Jesus as well. We talk about my walk with the Lord, my prayer time, my Bible. But what we see in Scripture, not only in these passages, but in others, what we see in Scripture is an unexpected emphasis on the whole. Did you know that the word saint appears over 90 times in the New Testament, but not once Does it appear in the singular? It's always plural. The saints. Plural. We're so self-centered sometimes. (laughs) And we don't even realize it, right? Uh, That God has a plan, yes, for your life. But it's always as part of a bigger plan. Part of the whole. Part of the bigger kingdom that is at work and at stake here. Here again, the word spoken to Moses in Exodus nineteen five and 6. If you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a treasured possession out of all the people. Indeed, the whole earth is mine. But you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation." whole earth is mine but you shall be a priestly kingdom in a holy nation a treasured possession out of all the peoples friends that's good news that's amazing news and I want to draw out three points uh, from that good news if we can The first point really has to do with that reflection we were just making a second ago, that being an individual is not a sin, uh, but we quickly, we so quickly and subtly slide into self-centeredness, selfishness, and selfish attitudes. Uh, When our hearts and minds are, are gripped by selfishness, we act as if the whole world revolves around us. Can you imagine standing in a line of two billion fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? And at the end of that line is Jesus. Your first thought would be, how can I cut? How can I get to the front? This line is too long. I hear it's a 2,000 year line. Is there a way to do what? To get around all these other people. No, I'm not selfish. I just don't want to stand in this line and wait my turn. We act as if other people don't exist. In traffic, we whip around other cars and cut people off as if our schedule is more important than their lives. And we might justify such selfish behavior by saying, look, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. It's every man for himself. I got to get mine. And wouldn't it be great if you could get yours? Wouldn't it be wonderful If you could get whatever you wish for at the mere snap of a finger, at the mere blink of an eye. But be warned. Someone has once said that the the definition of sin is just that, getting what you want. As a child I really wanted to get what I wanted. I I would have preferred to eat only cheese doodles cookies, Cheerios, as a child of course I wanted to stay up late. I never wanted to go to bed. I wanted to watch TV all day. I would have preferred to not go to school. I never wanted to do my homework. What kid does? I didn't want to help with house cleaning or share my toys with my brothers and sisters. Man, am I glad though that I didn't get what I wanted. Now in retrospect, I feel blessed and humbled that I had parents who didn't allow me to do whatever I wanted, It didn't allow me to get whatever I wanted. Uh, Sin means getting what you want, but at the cost of your health, at the cost of your relationships, maybe at the cost of your future, it means gaining the whole world but losing your soul. The second point is not so much a point, it's it's more of a question. What if we begin to see ourselves not so much as individual uh, Christian believers, but as members of of a priestly kingdom, as members of a holy nation, as God's treasured possession, as it says here in Exodus 19. That's the way God addressed His people. Not as individual beings, but as a community. As God's treasured possession, as a holy nation, as a priestly kingdom. If we think of fellow believers as family members, as fellow citizens, as treasured possessions of God. And we start thinking of non-believers not as recruits or potential converts out there, but as refugees looking for a home, as immigrants in search of a country where they can belong. If we think about the immigration crisis on the border of Texas to California, if we thought about that as a parable of the kingdom of God, what would it look like? What would our actions be like? We might think of those who are outside of the kingdom of God as massed up there on the border of the kingdom of God and how will they get in? I hope that people do not approach our fellowship like trying to cross the border (laughs) into Texas in the cover of darkness and hoping that no one will notice them. Maybe you've gone to a church and you kind of felt like that. I really hope I can just sit in the back and no one will notice me. I can just slip in and slip out uh, like a border crossing almost. I hope that we'll be the kind of place that receives with open arms, that... Uh, makes a home, makes a space uh, and and welcomes in the light of day those who come to us. What can we do right here and right now maybe beyond our Sunday morning worship time together to live as a priestly kingdom as a holy nation uh, together? Uh, Well, in Mosaic we have a number of opportunities. Uh, It was mentioned just this morning about the affinity groups And ways that you can connect and commit in those small group settings. Uh, But beyond that, there are also ways that even as as families you can do this. With family prayer times and family devotions and uh, maybe even family scripture times. Or or reading scripture uh, in small groups. I remember... As a kid, I mean, I definitely have distinct memories of having family Bible reading time together and uh, laying on the carpeted floor and uh, listening to my dad read a chapter in Scripture a night as we as we shared that family time together. Uh, we were practicing our faith as, as a family, as a group. Uh, and it was a beautiful thing. It's the kind of thing that makes memories. Maybe... Um, you know, maybe you can uh, practice writing little encouraging notes or a scripture verse on the family whiteboard. Or, or maybe uh, you might practice just sending a text to uh, a Mosaic friend or, or some, someone else that you, you share the faith with. Maybe just send them a Bible verse during the day or just a little prayer of encouragement during the day. Uh, There's all kinds of ways that we can practice being community together outside of this time, which is essential and important. And yes, it's beautiful, but uh, we've got to find ways to be the people beyond the doors of, of this place. And, you know, the third point here. To be made out of this Exodus text. I want to return to the specific wording. The Lord calls the people here in this text. A priestly kingdom. And a holy nation. Does it strike? I don't know. Have you thought about it? Does it strike you that in reality. At this point in the text. They were no such thing. A priestly kingdom. A holy nation. At this point in the text. I realize we're just kind of dropping into the narrative this morning, but at this point in the text, this group is just a group of runaway slaves from Egypt. They're in the wilderness. Remember, that's where the passage started. They were wandering in the they were heading in the wilderness down to Sinai. They weren't a, a nation or a kingdom. They were just a group of refugees, of nomads, of travelers. Without any infrastructure, without any borders to their land, without anything to define them as a nation or a kingdom. But can you see the beauty here? That even though they weren't such a thing, the Lord nonetheless called them such a thing. Even though they weren't a nation, the Lord called them a nation even though they weren't a kingdom yet the Lord called them a kingdom which is to say the Lord sees beyond what we presently are to what we will be the Lord sees beyond appearances and to the heart the Lord looks beyond your past or your present your future and doesn't judge or define you by what you have done in the past or by what you are presently doing but the Lord always sees that new day behold I'm doing a new thing I'm always doing a new thing and no matter what you've done or haven't done in the past I still have something for you to do in the future If you'll believe, if you'll have the faith, if you'll trust me, the people here in the desert had every reason in the world not to trust. We're in the wilderness. We're on our own. There's no land here for us to inhabit. How can you possibly call us a nation and a kingdom? Do you trust me, the Lord says. I'm going to take you there. You don't know it yet, but you'll be there. I can only imagine that 50 years ago in a cow pasture in Bowie's Creek if the Lord said 50 years from now in 2018 you'll be celebrating a 50th anniversary in, on a newly paid parking lot <laughs> you know, they would have surely just shaken their heads or giggled or, or just looked away in disbelief and yet that thing happened Because the Lord is greater than our doubts and greater than our deeds. The Lord is the Lord of the future. And that's a beautiful thing.